I would like to begin this evening by first offering a word of warm welcome to our ninth grade confirmation students who are here with their families and uh, this evening they spent the day with me we had our confirmation retreat they'll be getting confirmed here sunday december 2nd by bishop kagan and so very warm welcome to all of our ninth graders if those of you who are not ninth graders get a bit sick of my homily today or sick of listening to me just remember it could be worse you could have been with me since 3 p.m all right so it's not that bad a couple years ago, I ran across a very interesting 2005 study done by the University of Notre Dame. The study focused on two things, young people and religion in the United States. Now, it's more of a coincidence than anything that I'm focusing on this study, given our ninth graders being here this evening. Don't worry, I don't plan that far ahead. I'm not that good. but. Maybe it's providential, I guess. So the study was trying to look at the relationship in this country between the youth, between teenagers, and religion. There are some very interesting findings. I'm gonna share a few of them with you just because I find it interesting. But then there's one that kind of ties in with this gospel of Bartimaeus being cured. So here are some of these studies, some of these findings. Finding number one, most American teenagers have religious beliefs. Some type of religious belief is held by most American teens. 84% of American teens self-identified as quote-unquote religious. 84%. 75% of American teens self-identified as Christians. 75 said, I'm a Christian. Interesting finding number two. For most American teens, organized religion, what we're doing, doesn't really matter. This would be the, I'm a spiritual person, but not religious type attitude. Maybe we've heard that before. I think this finding that most American teens would not be valuing organized religion is found in the fact that of my generation, the millennial, those born from 1981 to 1996, of those millennials who are Catholic, who identify themselves as Catholic, 10% of them go to Mass on Sundays, or weekly to Sunday Mass, 10%. See, you can keep blaming millennials for everything. I know you want to, keep doing it. Interesting finding number three. The greatest influence factor on teenage faith is not social media, is not the newspaper, is not the internet. The greatest influence on a teenager's faith, whether it's perspective towards God, perspective towards the church, however you want to word it, are moms and dads, parents. We always want to say, oh, culture, oh, society. No. The greatest influence is held by moms and dads when it comes to the faith. Interesting num finding number four. Adolescents 
are incredibly inarticulate and inaccurate when trying to describe their faith. They might be able to tell you what they believe, but if you go any further, according to the study, they can't say much more than that. That's a bit bit disheartening as a former teacher, but that's just one study. All right, the major conclusion, the one I want to focus on here just for a few moments this evening, is this. Most American teens from all faith traditions from Catholics to Protestants, from Hindus to Muslims, actually share a united common belief about God. When it came down to their basic understanding of who God is, isn't it interesting? It didn't matter if you were a Catholic or a Lutheran, a Muslim or a Buddhist, you basically believed the same thing. And here is that commonly held united belief amongst young people. God is a kind of non-personal being who is a kind of combo between a Santa Claus type figure and a therapist like Dr. Phil. Think about that for a second. I know that's very wordy on a Sunday night, but think about that for a moment. God is a non-personal being who's like a combination between Santa Claus and Dr. Phil. Santa Claus, of course, who we go to when we want something, and a Dr. Phil, who we go to when we need something fixed. So most American teens go to God when they want something, and when they need something fixed. Now, just a side note, I have nothing against Santa Claus and I have nothing against Dr. Phil. They're great people. In fact, every day at the house, Dr. Phil's on in the afternoon. I'm not there, I'm at work. But my border collie, Tobin, watches him. (laughs) And when I come home at the end of the day, I ask him, Tobin, how is Dr. Phil? And for the most part, pretty good reviews. So if he helps Tobin, he can help others. A few characteristics about this non-personal Santa Claus therapist version of God. He takes care of our personal problems. He helps us in difficult times. He doesn't get too personally involved. Sure, he created the universe. He orders it. And by the way, because of all this, we should be nice to everyone, kind to everyone, and friendly. Those are the great mortal sins. Don't be unkind. Now, where am I going with this, you might ask? As I'm describing those characteristics of God, I trust that for many of you, you're saying, huh, huh. that's my perspective towards God. At least I can look at points in my life when I just go to God because I want something, or I need something fixed. Maybe a relationship, maybe my own heart. Here's one challenge with that perspective in that version of God. It's not the God of Scripture, Old Testament nor New. It's not the God that was preached by the apostles, 
It's not the God who's encountered in the sacraments. It's not the God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. That then begs the question, okay, then who is the God found in Scripture? Who is the God preached by the apostles and encountered in the sacraments and revealed in the person of Jesus? The answer to that question can be found in today's Gospel with blind Bartimaeus. What happens in today's Gospel? What happens in today's Gospel is that blind Bartimaeus is asked a question by Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. He is broken. He is blind. And he hears this guy named Jesus is passing by that can fix him. And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. Now you might be saying, Father, sounds like Bartimaeus went to Jesus as a kind of Santa Claus, Dr. Phil type figure. Here's the difference. Bartimaeus brought his need to a person. Bartimaeus, everyone, brought his need to the divine person of Jesus. And when we bring our needs and our wants, we don't bring them to some kind of non-personal being. We bring them to a deeply personal being. In fact, we bring them to a divine person whose name is Jesus. Everything in our lives of faith happens through contact with Jesus. Healing happens through contact with Jesus. Everything happens through this friendship with Jesus. And so as we bring our own needs and wants to the Lord, let's remember that we don't just throw them up to some, some impersonal being. We bring them to a person, the person of Jesus. The last thing I want to share. You might be saying, Father, all this personal stuff. The Archbishop of Detroit, where I spent four years in seminary, wrote this about it. Encountering Jesus is like meeting the person you're going to marry. You are overwhelmed by this encounter, and you cannot imagine life going forward without that person. Encountering Jesus is like meeting the person you're going to marry. You can't imagine life without that person. Encountering Jesus is so personal and so life-changing that once we meet him, we can't imagine life without him. May we have that expectation in our faith. I don't think we expect enough when it comes to our faith. May we have the expectation that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And because of it, everything 